Block AC, what's going on? Good to see you guys. How's it going? Happy Thursday to you. Hey, so happy to be with you guys. My name is Luke Hoagland, like Nick said. Wow, thank you. Uh, <laughs> one of the directors here at the Block Kansas City, wrapping up our series on love, all things love, singleness, dating, engagement, married. So uh, this is going to be a relevant message to us in the room tonight. So a year and three months ago, I got married. It's, yeah. Yeah, I am. It's not at me. It's a major applause for my wife, Bailey. Bailey Boleyn. Bailey now Hoagland. She took my last name. I got her. So she, it, it, she is mine. We are married. And it is awesome. It has been awesome. Like most couples, uh, early on in engagement, we did our registry thing, right? You go, you go pick up all the stuff that you're like, you'd never buy for yourself, but all of these other more wealthy people can buy for you, you know? And so you start off your lives on the right foot together. Um, so it's, it sounds like a great idea. I don't know if you've seen people at the store doing this before. They've got like the gun, they're shooting stuff. Like that sounds cool. Uh, we started our first uh, store and um, it's Crate and Barrel. Crate and Barrel is the store we go to. Everything's too expensive at Crate and Barrel. Just know that off the bat. Um, so we, we walk in, we're excited about the gun. Uh, they say, hey, get your profile set up. And so we're like, okay, profile. Um, can we have the gun now? And they go, actually, it's on our app. Use our app. You take a picture with your phone and it goes into the database. Like, excuse me? We're here for the gun? Like, <laughs> that's, that's, what we, that's what we want. Off to a rough start. Poor, uh, poor start for them. They need to change their ways. Uh, it's okay. But anyways, uh, we, we start up at the front of the store where they told us to go. And that's where the, the plates and the silverware are. So we obey and we start there. And not more than 10 minutes later, what was once a very excited, eager engaged couple. One of us was now crying. The other one was crying on the inside. <laughs> this is what happened. Okay, here's the story. So, silverware. I know nothing about silverware. You buy it as a set. You buy it as a five-piece set. You got butter knife, big spoon, little spoon, big fork, little fork, five pieces. And, and I make a comment. I say, I think that we should just buy the butter knife and the big spoon and the big fork because no one uses the little spoon and the little fork. No one uses it. Didn't know what I'm saying. Some of you guys see how that was wrong. <laughs> and I quickly realized it. And I should have been more careful. I, I thought I was saving our wedding guests money. That's, I, I'm unhealthily frugal. I'm, I'm worried about other people's money sometimes too. And, and meanwhile, Bailey is envisioning herself only using the little fork <laughs> and the little spoon. And here comes her fiance, new fiance, saying, hey, you're wrong. That's, that's not what people do. People don't do that, actually. You need to change your ways and use the big fork <laughs> and the big spoon. <laughs> Rough start. Rough start. And, and this is kind of what, what happened as we're sitting there, standing there, kind of crying. You got employees, like, trying to come up and help them. They're like, oh, oh actually, I'm maybe not going to go help them right now. They can see something's going on in the relationship. Other customers are like, I need silverware. And they're like, actually, not right now. Not right now. I'm going I'm to stay, stay away. Rough start. And... We got started off on the wrong foot. Eventually, things turned around. It got better, right? It got better. I, I learned what not to do. That's really what, what changed. And it's hard. Wedding registry shopping is hard because you're walking around the store and you say, okay, what set of silverware do I want to use for the next 30 years of my life? <laughs> I've never thought about what set of silverware I want to use ever. I use what's sitting there. That's what silverware I want. You got 90 shower curtains. Say, hey, sweetie, which design do you think is the best? Yeah, I don't know. 
There's 90. I'm not going to make a decision on this. It's some hard decisions to make. But I think our registry shopping story, it relates to a reality about marriage that is true, and it's that we all really want it, and it sounds great, but it's just different. I'm not sure we understand what it is. We all want marriage, but do we understand what it is? So quick poll in the room, some engagement. Raise your hands if you are not married in the room. Go ahead. Come on, bring them up. Okay. Yeah, you're a little scared over that. Hey, this is your opportunity to tell that person across the room that you are, in fact, quite available. Come on. <laughs> Show them. Keep the hands up. Come on. Who, who's not married? Okay. Yep. Tell them. Okay. Now, out of, out of these people, keep your hands up if you desire to be married someday. All right. Pan your eyes back over to that person. Their hand's still up. Okay. Come on. It's telling me there's a chance. All right. That's all right. Thanks, guys. You can put your hands down. We want marriage. And to start it off, I want marriage for you. There is a problem, however. And you're like, you're like I know, Luke, the problem is I'm not married. No, that's not, that's not the problem. That's not it. I'm not sure you actually understand what marriage is, truly. What it's actually going to be like, similar to registry shopping. It sounds great. There's all this great stuff that we know comes with marriage, but it's just going to be different than you think. I know you really, really want it. It's all you can talk about when you get together with your friends. Hey, like you, that girl you were talking to, how is she? That guy, you still interested in him? I like talking about it too. Some of y'all are tired of me bugging you all the time about, hey, you got any prospects in your life? Like, I, I love talking about this and asking you guys. The pull of it is strong. It's the thing. In our 20s and 30s, it's the thing that happens that we're so fixated on. We're fi fixated on finding that person in our life. You need to know it's going to be different than you think. The creator God designed marriage. He designed it. And he made it for mankind. And like all things God designs, he designs it good. And he designs it for a reason. For a purpose. For a why. He's got a reason for marriage. And if you desire it, I desire it for you as well. We, ha we have to establish that up front. But more importantly, if you desire marriage, you've got to know God cares way more about your love life than I do. I care about it. But God cares more. He cares more about it than you do because he knows it is important and it has your heart. So tonight, we're going to look at his purpose in design of marriage. And it would be wise of us to consider our own desires in marriage, myself included, what are my desires in marriage? Am I aligned with God here? Do I believe God? Do I believe that God's design here is better, is best for me in marriage? Am I preparing my life in a way that is preparing me for God's design or for my own desires? Maybe you desire marriage so you can finally plant those roots. You know, you like, I, find, I can buy my house, you know, we can get all the stuff, you know, I can, I can finally get nice things, and until then I'm going to live with this crap. Uh, you've, you haven't committed to anything, though, because of that. You're waiting for marriage, you're like, I don't want to commit to a friend group, because what, what if that girl, that guy's not in that group? And, and maybe you're, you're also waiting to commit to a church. You're waiting to commit to all of these things. Maybe you're, uh, you're waiting to commit to a faith or belief system. I'm telling you, it's not going to work well for you that way. It's going to cause difficulty when you have this one person that you say, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you, but guess what? I haven't committed to anything in my life. 
You believe me? They're going to say no. It's not going to work well for you that way. Perhaps you desire marriage and you think God's design is probably good, but really what you're interested in is no more sexual restrictions. Free sexual reign, man. I'm going to have sex every night. You have no idea. I can't wait. You think that marriage is going to solve your sex addiction, or your porn addiction, or your attention addiction. I'm just telling you, it's not going to work that way. It doesn't work that It's not going to work that way. Hear my heart. I, I want to help you know God's design. I do. And God's heart for you in marriage so that when you get to that point down the road, you've got your sights on the right thing. So when it comes, you're not looking for something else and you settle for this counterfeit version of marriage that you have created yourself. I don't want to hurt you. I, I want something good for you. And, and you're going to get to that point. And you're going to say, man, I heard that it was going to be this way. You're going to say, hey, Luke, Luke said it that one time, but more importantly, God, in his kindness, in his word, he said marriage works this way. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. We live in an onslaught of ideas about marriage in this world. We got married at first sight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, they know who I'm looking at. Terrible show. Bachelor, bachelorette, you got your blue, uh, blue checkmark Insta couples that make it look like it's just bliss on earth. You know, they show you all the, the good things. Man, you're, you're being told so many things. To find the one, find your soulmate. What pressure that is to find that one person. Live happily ever after. Look for someone you're compatible with. And, and can I tell you guys tonight, right now, it's clear in God's word that there is no compatibility between Sinners. There's no compatibility between two sinners. And, and I know you're in your head, you're saying, no, listen, like me and my guy, me and my girl, we're compatible. We work so well together. Listen, like we both want two and a half kids. How great is that? You know, our schedules, they line up so perfectly. We have all the same friends. Man, we play pickleball together. We work out together. Listen, you're, you're not compatible, those desires are going to change. Your interests are going to change. Your schedule will get blown to shreds, and it'll completely change. I, I promise you that. It's like this bottle here. Y'all are like, what the heck is this? What's in this bottle? It's like this bottle. I've got oil and water in this bottle, water and vegetable oil. And there's no amount of shaking, there's no industrial mixer, there's no centrifuge. If you guys remember that from chemistry class, I pulled that one out of nowhere, I enjoyed that. I was good at chemistry, apparently. Uh, they don't mix, they're not compatible, they're not complementary to one another. They do not go together and make something else that is beautiful. They just exist right next to each other. There's no amount of shaking I can do to this thing. It mixes them together. It looks better right now, doesn't it? You're like, don't drink it. But it looks better. It looks like they're getting mixed together. It looks like they're be becoming married, and it looks like they're really growing together. But what you guys will see, not too long after I set it down, things will settle. And these two things are impossible to come together, and they will separate. And it looked like it was working, man. It looked like we had it. What happened? What happened? 
<laughs> I want to help, guys. I'm not here to hurt you. I want to help. And I, if you desire marriage in this room, I hope and pray tonight God uses this to convince you of his design, that it is good, that it is better, that it is best, and it's better than your own way and your own design, and to show that you can trust in him. And I pray that God, that you, I pray that you would delight yourself in God, and God would give you the desires of your heart. Before we get into it, would you guys pray with me? God, marriage is so close to our heart, and love and significant others and all these things are close to our heart, which means, God, we grasp onto it so tightly. We struggle to trust you in these ways. And God, I just pray that you would convince us. We need your help. And from your word, God, you would convince us, God, that your way of marriage is better than these ideas we have. These ideas of, like, I'm going to do it this way. And God, we, it would cause us to wait with patience for something that is so good so that we wouldn't settle and go for something half as good or no good. God, we would wait with patience for your good design of marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, written by the Apostle Paul. We, we read a lot of his letters here at the block, and he's writing it to a church in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, and we're in chapter 5, so he's had some writing before this. What he's saying, guys, this is what God is like. This is how you should live because of it. We know you have these relationships with all types of people. He's like, I want to tell you, this is God's design for those relationships. And we're going to pick up in verse 21, where it's talking about marriage. Read with me. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. One line in to about marriage, we're already talking about Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives also should submit in everything to their husbands. So point number one tonight, marriage is submission and sacrifice. Marriage is submission and sacrifice. So if you're following here with us in that, in that text, uh, you can go back one slide to, to the text. Keyword here for the wives is, it's an uncomfortable word to say. You can say it. Submit. Keyword for the wives is submit. It's uncomfy. And hold on, ladies, before you check out, before you say, man, I if it's submit, then I don't need no man. I saw your hands a second ago. You, they were up. You want a husband at one point in your life. God, as creator and designer in marriage, he, right here, he's showing us that there is this order. There's an order in the marriage relationship that he set up, and it's in, in his own creativity, in his own wisdom. Verse 23, look at that again. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So the husband, head of the marriage, he's the leader. He's the authority in this marriage relationship, and the wife is one who submits to his authority and leadership and submitting in everything. It's a high call. Ladies in the room, does that, does that feel like a high call? Does it feel like a lot, a big ask of you in marriage? I, I don't know. It, it feels like a high call to me. I'm not a girl. I could be wrong. But hey, culture, and maybe you yourself, has told you that this is sexist. You've heard that this is wrong, it's unloving, or it's unfair. God's playing favorites here. Women have drawn the short end of the stick. But really, it just depends. 
what it depends on is it depends what you're submitting to. What are you submitting to? And that's where we're going to look at the call for the husbands. Read with me verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, up for her a word in a word, sacrifice. Sacrifice. I don't know which one's harder. What do you, what do you guys think? I, I, I feel like sacrifice is harder. Maybe that's because I'm a guy. They both sound really, really hard, but it's not about keeping score on which one is harder. You're going to want to keep score in marriage. This is not about keeping score. God is clear in the Bible that the value of man and woman are equal. He's created them both in his own image, and they're both partakers of eternal, he wants to save both. They're both partakers of eternal life through the death and resurrection of Jesus. See, this passage, what it, what it actually is, is it's a clear callback to the very first marriage relationship that ever existed in Genesis. Adam and Eve. In the garden, you guys know the story, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They sinned and what they deserved because of their sin was death, but God said, no, wait, I'm not going to kill you. Actually, I'm going to be merciful to you, but there's consequences for your sin, and, and this is what the consequences are. Read with me in, in Genesis 3, 16. This is God. After sin happened, he's talking to the woman, and to the woman he says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you over you. The result of this sin, perfect marriage, was destroyed. It's distorted. Its design has been lost because of sin. And as a result, the desire of the woman, henceforth, through because we live under sin, is going to be contrary to their husbands. And what this means is they're going to have this desire to disrespect and control and take that authority role that the husband has and take him out of it and say that I can do better. And then for the men, the desire is going to be to rule over her, meaning he wants to rule in a heavy-handed way and force her into that submission. God's given me this, this head, and so you just need to submit. Doesn't mean doesn't matter how I lead, just submit. These are the inner desires of husbands and wives as a result of the fall and as primarily single people in this room. You guys feel this? I don't know if you guys feel this. You sense this. This is the curse all of mankind is under. Do you sense it? And I don't, maybe you do. Maybe you, you've seen this in some other marriage relationships. I know I feel it in marriage, and I've, uh, I've been guilty of it. I've fought it, and I've succumbed to it, and I've had to ask forgiveness of it. This is a reality. If you don't know it yet, you're going to experience this in marriage. And this is what Paul is bringing us back to, and back to our Ephesians chapter 5. The God through Christ, the whole purpose is he wants to restore us. He's going to restore us, and through that, he's going to restore the perfect marriage relationship. He wants to cleanse us of this evil desire within us of sin that is causing us to be under this curse and be at this place where wives don't want to submit and men don't want to lead. He wants to restore that in us. Like Nick talked about last week, first and foremost, God is restoring you and I to him, right, relationship, and after that, he's going to restore you and me to one another, to have right relationships the way God has designed it. So to paraphrase Paul, he says, hey, wives, 
says, remember how Christ saved you, loved you? He's taken care of you. He's been so good to you all of your life. He's protected you and led you. In that same way, submit in everything to your husband. In the same way that you trust Christ, you submit to your husband in that way. Guys in the room, do, do we want a wife like that? Do you want a, yeah, do we, want, we, want a, we want a wife like that who's just happy to follow, happy to submit. She believes you, she trusts you. Yeah. To paraphrase Paul, paraphrase Paul again, hey husbands, remember how Christ, your God and Savior, he humbled himself from heaven, came to earth, sacrificed himself on a cross to die for you even though you did not love him? That's what God is calling you to as a husband. You, walking by faith in Jesus, means you sacrifice yourself, your desires, your life, your everything for your wife to love her. Ladies, you want a guy like that? Come on, ladies, you guys want, you want a guy like that? Yeah, 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 you want a guy like that. You're like, come on. Are there some of those in this room? Let's get them up here. Actually, you're kind of a preacher guy. Marry us. I'm coming up. I'm going to grab this guy. We're coming on up. What do we think? Any ladies in the room want to take it up? No? Okay. Yeah, Nick's shaking his head. He said, we don't support shotgun weddings at the Block KC. Okay, come on. You're saying, but I'm single, Luke. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you're single. I hear that you're single. This is what you can do with this tonight. Number one. Commit to God's design for marriage, not your own counterfeit. Oh, they're all number one. Look at that. <laughs> and then number one, learn to be the type of person who submits and sacrifices. Number two, learn to be the type of person who submits and sacrifices. We'll get more to this in a little bit. And number three, let God's design for marriage inform the quality of person that you're looking for right now. As far as learning to be this type of person and preparing right now, I've got, a quick, I've got a quick way, a quick little litmus test to figure out, hey, are you ready for marriage? Are you ready for that spouse to come in and that you could be someone who does this for them as soon as you're married? Quick test, listen up. Are you doing this today? Are you submitting and sacrificing yourself and your life to Jesus today? And not only that, are you submitting and sacrificing your desires to serve others, to submit to others, to submit to others' authority, to sacrifice for the good of others? That's the test. If you're doing that, great. You're on the right track. If you're not doing that, we start today. You want God, you want God to bring a beautiful marriage into your life, you start today so you're ready. And then as far as what we're looking for in a spouse, Ladies, ladies, you don't need this 6'3", dreamy, tall drink of water who tells you everything you want to hear. It's not what you need. You need to look for a man who is sacrificial for others. Not just you while you're dating, but for others in his singleness. Not always doing the easy thing, but he's disciplining himself to do the hard thing now, to serve God and other people around him, he doesn't expect anything in return. He's not expecting to be put on this pedestal because he believes and knows that God's way is the abundant life and that everything else is just empty 
promises. Guys. Guys. Come on, guys. Guys, you don't want this sexy, sex-absorbed fantasy girl who just strokes your ego. You don't need that. This is what you need. You need to look for a woman who in her singleness submits to Christ her Lord and that she lives a changed, obedient life inwardly and outwardly and it goes into everything that she does because she believes and knows that there's no greater love for her than the love of Jesus, her Lord. She already knows that. She's not looking for it, but she knows it and she's got it. Point number one, God's design for marriage. Marriage is submission and sacrifice. Point number two tonight, marriage is for your sanctification. Marriage is for your sanctification. I hear a lot of pens clicking tonight. Y'all are taking some notes. Let's go. Like, I want this. Come on. Sanctification, we've talked about it a lot here at the block. It's a word in the Bible that means growing in Christ-likeness. It means becoming more holy, becoming more like Christ. God not only wants to eternally save you from your sin, and so that you can be with him forever in heaven, but he also, in this life, wants to do a work in it. And he wants to sanctify you, make you cleaner, cleanse you of sin, help you to be more loving. That is what we're talking about when we say sanctification. This is the purpose of marriage, that God wants to sanctify you. Read with me in the following verses here. We're going to start in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And now it's talking about Christ and the church. So that he, Christ, might sanctify her, the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does. He cherishes the church. Paul, in these verses, he's doing this little back and forth. You can't miss it. He's going husbands. He's going wives, the church. Husbands, Christ, church. Husbands, wives, church. Husbands, you know, he's, he's bouncing, he's dancing, all back and forth. And that's the point. That's the point here, he doesn't go a sentence, he doesn't waste a breath without saying, hey, this is about Christ and the church. So you don't miss it. It's not about you, it's not about your kids, it's not about finding a house, it's not about planting roots. I hope he gives you all of those things. But it's about something bigger. Something else is deeply true about the way he's designed marriage and God's drilling it into these verses so you don't walk away missing it, so you don't walk away going after your own counterfeit version of what marriage is. Like I said earlier, it's something different. It's something different than you thought. It's something different than you've been told. That verse, it says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, this sanctifying, this being sanctified by God is God changing us. He's guiding us to this life and to the, the way that he's created us. He wants us to fill, find that true purpose and walk in it, become more loving, less sinful, and it implies change. It implies change. A husband and a wife sacrificing and submitting to one another is going to change 
you. It's going to change us. God's heart is to change things for his glory and for your good. We had something come up recently at the Hoagland household. Um, I'll just say it. We have ladybugs. We've got ladybugs. I don't know if that's something that you can say or can have, but we have ladybugs. They're coming in uh, into our bedroom. It's affecting you know, us going to sleep, and uh, they're coming in through the window on my side of the bed. And so what ends up happening most nights lately is Bailey spots a ladybug, and so here, you know, I come in, it's time to, like, jump up and, like, smack it on the ceiling, or, you know, I don't know, and you, you, you crunch it into a napkin, you dispose of it, and I'm normally uh, welcomed by applause and jubilation from my wife uh, right afterward. It's, it's really, it's kind of great, but maybe a week ago, we're both in bed and falling asleep, and I start to hear something. Sounds like that. That's a ladybug shell hitting the ceiling, hitting... I realize there's a ladybug that has entered into our bedroom chamber. It is in here somewhere, and I'm about to fall asleep, and my thought is this. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not scared of ladybugs. They're cute. I ain't scared. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to bed. I'm just gonna fall asleep. You know where this is going. A few seconds later, I hear... Sweetie? Yeah? You hear that? What? I think there's a ladybug in here. And? Can you get it? So, when I was an unmarried man, I would have ignored it. And I'm asleep in 15 seconds. Life's good. But I'm not. As a married man, called to sacrifice and lay down my life for my wife, against my inner instinct, to say, you go on, get up, and you, you take care of it yourself. I'm going to bed. I get my butt up out of bed. I get a tissue. Turn the light on. I kill that ladybug. I crunch it in that napkin. And I flush it down the toilet to kingdom come. <laughs> because she's my wife. And I'm her husband. That's marriage. And that's what Paul means. <laughs> Crunch the ladybugs. This is what Paul means. He who loves his wife loves himself. Husbands, love your wives as your own bodies. If she's hurt, you're hurt. And you come and help her. Come to her aid. If she's scared of bugs, you crunch them. If she's hungry, you feed her. If she's in danger, you protect her and care for her. Christ gave himself up for his bride, the church. Husbands give themselves up for their brides, their wife. And things have changed in marriage. And let me say this right now. If you hate change, you may not like marriage. If you hate change, you may not like marriage. If you hate submitting and serving and sacrificing, I don't know if you'll like marriage. I don't know if you will like it. The 
It's not a starting line, and it's not a finish line. Don't treat it like that. Marriage is a continuation and intensifying of two people being sanctified by God, pursuing their creator. Marriage is a continuation and intensifying of the call to live for Christ. Sanctification, this this change, becoming more like Christ is a good thing. I know what you're thinking. You're like, I don't need to change. I don't want to change. Actually, now that you say it, I I don't even want marriage anymore. Listen, it is a good thing to be changed by a good God. It is a good thing to be changed by a good God. He has your best in mind. He sees what's ahead and he knows. He knows what you need right now. He knows how you need to prepare. It's a good thing to be changed by a good God. We talk about this all the time. Sin is deadly and the enemy wants to wipe you out. Marriage is different. But it's beautiful. That God is going to use marriage to grow you to become more like Christ. In your character, how? Because they are always there. It's like a shadow. You're like, they're, they're there all the time, right? They're always there. You go to bed, she's there. You wake up, she's there. You eat breakfast, she's there. You're watching TV, snacking, hanging out, driving, traveling, she is there. Think about how that's so much different from your life right now. You got, maybe you have roommates. It's still way different. Every moment, they're there for the rest of your life. They're going to see some stuff. They're going to see you're ugly. You're crazy. Your laziness, your sin, your lapses in character, how are you going to be ready to be sanctified in this way with a spouse? You start now. You submit. You sacrifice. Can I recommend you to get some roommates? We do this at the block a lot. Can I recommend you get some roommates? There might be a reason in this day and age for you to live alone for a short period of time. Maybe you're in a transition. You know, maybe you're new to town. Like, I, I, I get that. Get you some roommates. Get you, I hope you get some good roommates, too. Some of y'all need some terrible roommates, though. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's go. You need some terrible roommates, who There's going to be conflict every week. Someone who's just nasty. You might need a roommate like that, they get on your nerves. Ryan Mannering, a guy who spoke a few weeks ago, you remember him, super cute guy. He, uh, him, and I, him and I were roommates for uh, a year in college, senior year, and I'm not sure if that man still knows how to wash a plate. <laughs> not sure, don't know. I'm sure he does. I, he's, he's got a wife, she probably got that into him uh, now. But we lived, we lived together for that year, and man, that bothered me. The fact that nothing was ever clean in the kitchen, that bothered me. But we had to talk about it. We had to resolve it. Not long after, he had this really expensive nonstick pan. I didn't realize you can't cut not with a knife on those nonstick pans, and I ruined it. I ruined his nonstick pan. You're like, oh, no, yeah. yeah and, and he was mad. He was really mad. But we had to talk about it. We had to work through it. We had to resolve it and grow closer together because of it. And more than that, and more than in the, the hard stuff and, the, and failing and lapses in character, man. We did so many things together. We did ministry together. We, we shared the gospel together. We challenged one another to, we pointed each other to Jesus so that we would be sanctified by him in our singleness. And we saw that in each other's life. He grew, I grew, 
we all grew, and it was amazing. You get to see these things, and they're beautiful. Man, let me tell you, in marriage, even recently, getting to see God sanctify Bailey. To see God grow my wife. It's not something that you're supposed to do to them. It's something that you be a part of. God might use you, and he's going to work that power in that person's life to change them and sanctify them. And seeing her step up in new ways of trusting God and faith was not much better. It's amazing. And this is what God wants for you in marriage because marriage is for your sanctification. And it's a blessing. Don't look at it as any other thing. It's a blessing and a gracious gift. It's a good thing when a man finds a wife. It's a good thing when a woman finds a husband because when sanctification feels ugly and it's gonna, it's gonna feel ugly and you're discouraged and it doesn't feel like you can do it anymore and you keep failing to love the other person well I keep messing up God's given you a spouse who's with you says honey I'm here I'm with you it's okay I'm not leaving you I feel your pain I know it's hard it's hard for me too but listen God is for us He's actually here with us. He's holding you right now. He's on the throne, he's in control, and he's never leaving us. This is the kind of love God is offering to every person who will turn from their sin and trust in Christ. That he will save you and love you for eternity, beyond this life, and commit to you, and always be with you, and never leave you, and in God's design, for marriage is a call for both people to love each other that way for the rest of their lives until they die. Point number three tonight, marriage is uniting in covenant love. Marriage is uniting in covenant love. Back to our text, Ephesians 5, 31, it says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. Go to the next slide up there. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Yes, we got that. You've been drilling it into us. I'm glad we got it. It refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The first quotation in that verse, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Paul again is taking us back to Genesis and he's not taking us back to sin, he's actually taking us back to before sin entered the picture. He's talking about his design for marriage. Here's what God wants to do, his perfect design, the true outcome of marriage is that the two would become one flesh. That's what God wants to do. That's his design. He designed it so that you would complement that other person and they would, you'd fulfill each other's desires, right? You would make babies. You would multiply and lots of babies. I don't know how many babies. You'd make babies. you complement each other and be joined in heart and soul and body and mind and it's wonderful and that's God's creativity. It's beautiful. It's God's wisdom and that's what he has created marriage for. And a few, a few verses later, but sin What about sin? Back to my favorite beverage over here. 
Just like oil and water are created differently. Man and women, men and women are created, well, I can't say that right. Man and woman are created differently. But there's something in this world that is beautifully put together that contains oil and water as its two main ingredients. Anyone know what that is? I hear something over there? Slammer? No? It's mayonnaise. Yeah, come on. Yeah, my guy. Let's go. Let's go, Nate. It's mayonnaise. Anyone love mayonnaise in the room? Well, I carry some around with me pretty regularly. There you go. Oh, that's not even close. Eli, there you go. Anyone else? Mayonnaise. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. This is Chick-fil-A mayonnaise. We're going there afterwards, okay? You can get a little taste. Guys, not Miracle Whip. Just not Miracle Whip, okay? Don't, don't at me. So mayonnaise, main two ingredients, oil and water, they don't go together. How can this be? How can it happen? You need a third ingredient. You need what we call an emulsifier. It's a binding agent. It's a third ingredient that comes in and takes two things unable to come together, unable now to come together because of sin, and it makes the impossible possible. In the case of mayonnaise, it's eggs. It's eggs. You add eggs to these two things, and they are not able to be joined together. You put it in there, and they intertwine. They become something absolutely beautiful like mayonnaise. (laughs) I mean to say that Jesus is the eggs. It's funny, but listen. Jesus is the emulsifier. He's the, the binding agent of a man and a woman in marriage. To reject Jesus being the one who brings a man and woman together in marriage, to reject that is to reject marriage altogether. He's the only one with the power to make two sinners who are not complementary, not compatible, and make them compatible in something beautiful to complement one another for a lifetime. And this, this being united, be, becoming one flesh in covenant love. The word covenant is of utmost importance here. It means that you are binding yourself to a promise. A covenant is a binding yourself to a promise. To never break it. This is why we do oaths and vows and ceremonies at wedding. It's in our, in our weddings at the altar. It's to say, hey, this is my obligation, my commitment to you for the rest of my life. This is what it is. We, we give each other these extremely lofty promises, commitments that you truly desire to carry out. You want to do this for this person because you love them. But at the same time you're saying it, you know that you're going to fail. You say this beautiful thing. It sounds awesome. Your people in the, in the crowd are like, oh, that's amazing. Meanwhile, you know you're going to blow it. You know you're not going to be able to keep it Listen, when you have the binding agent of Jesus binding your marriage, there's no fear. Jesus is the only true covenant maker and covenant keeper. Who God 
joins together, man has no business in separating. Marriage without Christ is bound to fail. It's bound to not fulfill you the way you want it to. It's going to lead to hurt and letdown and heartache and heartbreak and broken families and messed up futures. Listen, without Christ, you're going to be led to cynicism. Cynicism of love altogether. Cynicism towards God as your lover. It's going to drive you to hopelessness. And this is some of you in this room, and I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm terribly sorry that this is you, and Jesus sympathizes with you more deeply than I ever could. Jesus lived in perfect relationship with the Father, God the Father Almighty, for eternity. And on the cross, when he was hanging for you, it was broken. The relationship was torn apart when he was paying for your sins. Maybe parents have been living together as good friends and roommates for a really long time, but never looking to Christ, never truly trusting him to be their binding agent, and so they exist side by side. Maybe they've given up altogether as feelings fade and life's challenges hit. The enticement of another person. Maybe this is you. Maybe your marriage is on ice. Thin ice. Maybe it's already fallen apart. Maybe you're dating and maybe you've crossed lines so many times that you're so broken and you feel like you're living in darkness and you've got so much shame or you're, you're single and you've got no prospects. You've got no one, no ideas of who a possible mate could be and you're making a mess. You feel like you're making a mess of your single years in despair. And I don't have answers for all of these hurts. I just don't. I wish that I could stand up front afterwards and all of you could bring everything to me and I could be like marriage advice, marriage advice, and you could walk out of here and all would be better. I just don't have that. It's not a thing. There is one hope. And I can point you to the restorer. I can point you to the only one who can keep a covenant, the one who wants to sanctify you in this life. He can give you something in this life. He's madly in love with you. He proved it on the cross when he was hanging there for your sins despite your brokenness, despite your pile of dating relationships that have lined up behind you, despite all of the things that you feel that you can't, couldn't bring into a marriage. He's the restorer. Despite your sexual immorality, your addiction, maybe you know the Lord, but you've stopped listening to his voice. So listen, that, that's okay. Rise again. He's the strength. He's your strength. He's the strength of your heart and your portion forever. Forever. Maybe you've never listened to God's voice. And right now you hear it. Listen, don't harden your heart. Don't rebel against God and turn and go back to your ways. He's ready to welcome you. He wants to give you life in an everlasting covenant of love. We'll welcome the band back up. And in summary, we want marriage, but we need to know that it's different than we think. Point number one, marriage is submission and sacrifice. Point number two, marriage is for your sanctification. Point three, marriage is uniting 
and covenant love. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, as we just enter into worship in this time, God, I, I know we've gotten deep. <laughs> and God, you meet us there. You're deeper than we know. We can trust you with all of that. And God, I want to pray over this room right now. God, I've been, there it is. I've been praying for these people. I've been praying for these people that they would, they would find spouses, that they would have godly marriages. God, would you just in this room work on our hearts, God, so that we would be ready when it comes. We'd be looking for your design. Everything else is a counterfeit, God. We can trust you because you're good. And God, in this area, I know is holding so many people back from just even trusting you altogether. They're not going to trust in you until you give them what they want. God, show them that you're better than that. God, that they can trust you right now, right here. And God, that you want to give so many good things to them as they walk in freedom from sin, glory, and growing in the character of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray.